Welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Pash, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer. Today, I sit down and talk with ubiquitous Adam Shine. He hosts so many different shows on several different platforms. Shine on Sports on Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio. And for CBS Sports Network, Time to Shine, that other pregame show, NFL Monday QB. Plus, he hosts the Adam Shine podcast and is a columnist for NFL.com. We talk today about all things National Football League, in particular the Arizona Cardinals. Does he think Kyler Murray is a legit MVP candidate? What about Cliff Kingsbury as a Coach of the Year possibility? And whether the Cardinals at 9-2 and two are truly the best team in the National Football League. All that and more coming up with Adam Schein. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Sign up for BetMGM today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Time now for my conversation with Adam Schein. So, Adam, I'm talking to Steve Kime the other day after the game Sunday, and he says, who do you got on the podcast this week? And I say, Adam Schein. And, man, does he light up. He starts imitating you. He's all fired up that you're on the show. You are nationally one of the biggest Cardinal supporters, and you have been for a while. Let's start with that. Tell me why. Because I think the Cardinals top to bottom are fantastic. You know, I I think when you look at what makes a great organization, I think it first starts with an owner, right? And you have to have a great owner. The Cardinals check that box. And you have to have a great general manager. And I, I think the world of Steve and, you know, he's smart, thoughtful. He's aggressive. I think he's fantastic at his job. I think he's surrounded himself with a tremendous staff. I think that when you talk about a great organization, the Cardinals PR staff is one of the best in sports, not just the best in the NFL, in, in all sports. They're, they're fantastic, Mark Dalton and company. And I just think that Arizona, the Cardinals, gave you've been around this organization forever. Great people, great commitment to winning. You know, you think of the teams in the NFL like that, right? And it's, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. They're always a team, and rightly so, at the top in terms of, all right, they do everything right. The Arizona Cardinals do everything right. And, you know, every year in the conversation to make the playoffs, you know, I love the approach. I love how the Cardinals draft. I'm just a huge fan of the organization. And, you know – Phoenix, Arizona, you know, all these surrounding areas, you know, it it wasn't a natural NFL fan base. You know, all you know, this so many different fans, different teams before the Cardinals moved to Arizona. So you literally had to build a fan base. And and I just think it's so impressive. The stadium's great. I mean, I, I love watching the team play. I love everything about Arizona Cardinals football. Well, I get asked a lot you know, what's it been like? Because when I got hired in 2002, they had just started to make the transition in terms of changing the broadcast department and the marketing department. And then Michael Bidwill gets more heavily involved. All of a sudden the stadium, the Super Bowl, it all kind of snowballs. And I agree with you. I mean, you look uh, at where the organization is and I know I'm a little biased because it's my employer, but 
Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with the growth. The one difference between you and I during the last 20 years is I've lost my hair. You somehow have added it. How did you gain hair? Your hair looks better now than it was when you were back at the Q's in school while I was the play-by-play guy. It's amazing. You know, I, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, right? You know, first of all, I love my hair. Let, let's just be crystal clear. <laughs> I love my hair. And I think back then, you know, I, I didn't really care what my hair looked like. You know, I kind of, I've got, without product, I have the Jufro. So, you know, I finally learned as I started doing television, hey, you might want to do different things to your hair and actually <laughs> schedule a haircut every four weeks and put the right <laughs> product in. So I love that you asked me about the hair because I've always asked about the hair. And listen, they always say, right, that it's supposed to be in terms of, you know, how you get your hair, your, your mother's father in terms of, you know, how it gets passed down. My grandfather passed away with a full head of hair. He, about 10 years ago, I mean, absolutely gorgeous hair. So <laughs> thank you to, to my late grandfather, Eddie, for giving me this, this hair. Well, you, you need it for as much as you're on camera. As a play-by-play guy, we, we barely get on. Uh, and when they do their, when, when we do, they're normally just paying attention to the analysts. We're just kind of the go-between. So uh, you got me, McDonough, Tariq, and none of us really have hair. Ian and you uh, still are the two guys that I know really well that still – and Scott Hansen, he has the same hair that he had when he was 20. Right but the Cardinals, Adam, going into their bye week, the best record in the NFL. Obviously, you're doing tons of NFL shows. You're talking about the NFL every day. Do you think the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL right now? What a tremendous way to phrase the question. <laughs> and I don't because I need to see Kyler get back on the field. And look. The upside for the Cardinals, Dave, in my opinion, is to win the Super Bowl. Like, if you if you start talking about teams you trust down the stretch of the season, you know, forever I used to do a show with John Madden. How's that as a name drop? And John would always get on me when I would talk to him about Super Bowl teams, playoff teams before Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, you could talk about teams you trust. I think the Cardinals, they're a team on a short list of teams, by the way, and this wild and wacky NFL season, I trust. I love the head coach. I love the defensive coordinator. I love the talent. I love how they take care of business. I love how they can play up to the competition. I, I love everything about them. I think all season long, there have been five teams in the NFC, right, that are just better than everybody else. Dallas, in no order, Dallas, Green Bay, Arizona. My preseason Super Bowl pick, the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And frankly, the team that I'm not buying has been Tampa. I just, I haven't seen enough out of their defense. I think Arizona when Kyler's healthy is the most well-rounded team in the NFC. Now the green Bay game might come back and hurt Arizona in terms of when the wheels stop spinning and whether you get the one seed or whether you get the bye, I'd like to see Kyler on the field because I think he changes everything. But the upside, I don't think they're the best team in the NFL as we speak right now, but they're on a handful, handful of teams that I think can win the Lombardi Trophy. You mentioned you love the head coach, and I, I, I'm glad that Cliff is getting more recognition nationally. 
Look, yep. he's always been a good coach. You look at the men, the players he mentored in college, whether it's Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. Th- there are others that he has worked with that he got some credit for, but not a ton. And there were some coach of the year talk for a while when the Cardinals were good in September and October. And then Kyler goes down. You win two out of three with Colt McCoy as the backup quarterback and no DeAndre Hopkins and the offensive line banged up. And it feels like that above all else kind of elevated Cliff. And I don't know where you have him in the coach of your discussion. And I don't know where you had him when he got hired, if you thought it was a good hire or not. There are a lot of people, obviously, when it happened that were kind of scratching their heads, but it's paying off now. In year three. I think Cliff Kingsbury is is an absolute stud. And in terms of what I thought when they hired him, look, I think it goes back to my trust in, in Steve. And, you know, if, if he thinks he's the right guy and you know the offensive trends that were going on in the NFL and, you know, packaging him with Tyler, who they would eventually pick, I, I you know, and, and Cliff put together an excellent staff and and I was on board. I had Cliff on the radio show on Sirius XM. About a month ago. And I, I said to him, I said, I was a little disappointed in last year. You know, I, I thought the Cardinals, that was my Cinderella pick, you know, and, and Arizona's moving in the right direction. And last year was a disappointment, I thought, for Arizona down the stretch of the season. Boy, Dave, this year has been has been fantastic. And in terms of where I put him for coach of the year now, top two. I mean, it's Cliff Kingsbury and Bill Belichick, you know, and I think the big other name is Mike Vrabel. You know, I'm certainly one of those where, you know, I and I was obviously wrong instantly. Derrick Henry got hurt. I gave them no shot. And and no matter what they do the rest of the year, I won't believe in them in the playoffs without Derrick Henry. But to me, as we sit here and speak right now, Belichick, Kingsbury, whatever order for coach of the year. The Belichick one is interesting, right? Because nobody thought that, well, I guess there were some people that thought, but most people did not think that Mac Jones would be this good this quickly. I was a skeptic after doing some of his games in college. He never played a snap at Alabama where he didn't have at least one or two first-round picks at wide receiver. But he's been great. They're undefeated on the road, just like the Cardinals. And, yeah, I think he's definitely in the conversation. Have you ever had Belichick on any of your platforms and all the shows you do? And and what's he been like when you've spoken with him? So I had Belichick. I used to have Belichick on radio all the time. And by all the time, once a year, which in that world is, was a big deal early on. I had Bill on, I guess the, they beat the giants on a Saturday to go undefeated in the regular season. And I was doing, this is before I was doing the CBS pregame show, a Sunday morning show on, at the time, Sirius XM NFL radio. And he came on the show the next day, and he was so giddy. He was great. All my interactions with, with, I haven't had him on the show probably in like seven years, but there was a period of time where he was on every year. And I did Patriots training camp, and that face-to-face was always great. I have always enjoyed. I remember I had him on after they dra- after they made the trade for Randy Moss. He was he was excellent in that conversation. I've all he's one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers, one of those guys. When you interview them, 
there's always a pause where you're not even sure if they're still on the line because they're thinking of what they're going to say next. And, and it always has equaled a great response from Belichick. I, I haven't interviewed him in probably seven years, but I, I loved every conversation I've had with Belichick. You're closer to the Patriots than we are out here because you live on the East Coast, but you're closest to the two teams in New York. I can't remember if you're a Giants or a Jets guy. I feel like you're a Jets guy. Am I wrong? I, I, nobody, my... nobody has any idea who I root for. Um, <laughs> and and here's, here's the honest truth. I grew up as a psychotic, diehard Giants fan. No one has any idea. And then that's the one occupational hazard for me. I lost all the fandom, all the fandom for the Giants for a variety of reasons. But, you know, still diehard Yankees fan, diehard Knicks fan, diehard Syracuse fan. But for years from 2006 through for a long time, I did a Jets postgame show on SNY. So everyone always associated me with the Jets. Um you know, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, my girls' soccer games or my son's uh, basketball games, and I'm always wearing my Cardinals gear. I have, I have a Cardinals sweatshirt. I have the coach's sweatshirt. I have a T-shirt. <laughs> so it's always – people are like, you an Arizona Cardinals fan? I'm like, yeah, I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. You know, I, I have a lot of the bills on all the time. Um, so, you know, I'm always talking about jumping through tables. People think I'm a Bills fan. It's funny, especially when I did the Jets games. My oldest is 13. So I would get home after, you know, around 5, 30, 6 o'clock on an NFL Sunday, and she was born in 2008. So the Packers were always on TV at that time. So she's a Packer fan. So Jolie's a Packer fan. Maya's a Patriot fan. And Theo roots for the Buffalo Bills. So that's it's all three kids, different teams, and that's, that's all occupational aspects. <laughs> Speaking of the Giants, Jason Garrett is out. Um, did I read a tweet where you said just blow it all up, start over? Blow was that somebody up. else? Okay. Blow it all up. It's, yeah. Dave, Including it's, the quarterback, it's, it's, Daniel Jones, you're doing the same thing with him to get a new quarterback, start over? I mean, I, I'd get rid of everyone. And look, you know, sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. There's a crapshoot with everything. Dra draft when it comes to the draft. Saquon Barkley at two, a running back at two, never made any sense. I mean, that was a, a quarterback strong draft in 2018. Uh, Quentin Nelson would have been my choice, not sexy, but, you know, that, that's a Hall of Fame caliber offensive lineman. You know, the next year I, I would have drafted Josh Allen, the defensive end. Daniel Jones, by no measuring stick, was the sixth best player in the draft. Heck, I would have followed, and I said this on air, the Cardinals motto. Where, all right, you picked Josh Rosen, it didn't work. We made a mistake. Let's move on. Let's take Kyler Murray. So there's Justin Herbert sitting there with the fourth overall pick. And I was a big believer that Justin Herbert was going to be a superstar. There are a lot of teams, you know, ranging from Washington to Detroit to the Giants. And obviously Miami, who picked two, and I begged Miami to take Justin Herbert. You know, Gettleman should have never been interviewed, let alone hired. You know, it starts with ownership, you know. They let Coughlin go, kept Reese, McAdoo was a mess. That kind of hodgepodge it for a long time, piecing it together. Shermer was, you know, that didn't work out. It's, it's Joe Judge, I think, is kind of a fake tough guy. You know, Jason Garrett, I wouldn't have hired him, but, you know, and Jason Garrett's not the problem with 
with the Giants. There are bigger issues here. I, I don't think Daniel Jones has it. I think his upside is to be a guy and, you know, a back-end starter, which he is now, you know, 28 through 32 if you're ranking the starters. I think his downside is to be, you know, one of those. I mean, he's just – he's a, not a good quarterback. He just doesn't have it. So, yeah, I – the problem is ownership. And they they hire a lot of people that, you know, have prior, you know, Mara, Giants, ties. It's it's kind of a – it's a cycle of futility. And, you know, if the Giants wore green in New York, it would be on the back of the back pages in, in clown cars. But – you know, the Giants are treated differently in, in New York City. So, but not by me. I mean, I, I they're, they're a mess. It's, it's, it's a shame. So the Cardinals, looking at their schedule, you've got the Bears who might be undergoing a, a, a coaching change here soon. That's the report. Yep. You've got the Lions, Dallas, a Monday night game with the Rams, home game with Seattle, the Colts, who are playing really well right now. Who do you think right now would be the greatest challenger to the Cardinals getting the one seed? Because they're a game up on the Rams. Rams play the Packers, and they've already beaten the Rams on the road. They've got the head-to-head with the Cowboys in January. be interesting to see if that game's flexed. It may come down to whether the Cowboys have too many national games. I don't know, but we, we don't have a Sunday night game. The only national games we have are Christmas Day, oh, the wow. Thursday game that we had earlier this season against the Packers and, and the Monday night game. So no Sunday night games right now, but who do you think is the greatest hurdle for the Cardinals to overcome to get that one seed in the NFC? I'll give you the two to me. It's, it's okay. Dallas and green Bay. Um, you know, I think this, this green Bay Ram game is going to go a long way for green Bay in terms of the one seed uh, coming up this Sunday. I, and, and by the way, I, I think green Bay will win it, but I think Dallas is a real well-rounded team. I, I do. I, I think Dallas is actually very similar to the Cardinals in terms of how I feel, where the, you can win different styles of fight. Look, Dallas has been so inept for so long. Or, you know, when I say inept, you expect the worst when it comes to the Cowboys. You expect them to melt down. You expect them to underachieve. I just – I think Dan Quinn has changed everything for that defense – but Dallas's schedule is pretty favorable. You know, the one thing, it's funny, you, you mentioned that schedule for the Cardinals. Kyler's healthy. They can, they can win every game. You know, that's, that's how I feel about Arizona. Look, that's probably not going to happen. There are three strong teams on that slate. But, you know, I, you, you asked earlier about Arizona and if I think they're the best team in football. No, not right now, but on that short list of teams that can win a championship. I don't know if I'd bet against Arizona in any of those games. I want to make a little bit of a hard right turn. We'll get back to football. But I said that I told Steve Kime that I was talking with you, and he got all excited. My wife asked me as well who was coming on the podcast this week, and I said Adam Shine. And she, I don't know. She's not a sports fan. Most of the guests that I have or the people even that I work with, she doesn't know their background or really much about their lives. When I said Adam Shine, she goes, Prime time, Adam Shine. Yes. So, and that goes back to, again, when you were hosting a show, I can't remember if you were still in college or just out of college. 
I want to get to that, but tell me why haven't you kept the, the prime time Adam shine? If someone like my wife still remembers that from 20 <laughs> years ago, a non-sports fan for the most part, I mean, you're big now, Adam, you could be even bigger if you'd have just kept the prime time Adam shine. I love that. It's funny, by the way, I'm, I'm doing this on zoom, but the audience can't see it. But I'll show it to you. I have this article from the, from the post standard. I'm showing you that from 1999, by the way, right next to my Arizona Cardinals football that was signed by Josh Rosen for my son, dear Theo, go Cardinals from, from Josh Rosen. And it tells the story of primetime. So I had, it was my first week on the air at WHGN. And I graduated in May of 99. I started at the all sports radio station in, in June of 99. And Dr. Rick Wright, one of our professors, your professor, my professor, legendary professor, called the radio show as a caller and just kept calling me primetime. When I was in class, he kept calling me primetime, primetime Adam Shot. I love Rick Wright. He loved me. And my program director, day four on the job, Troy Skinner, ran into the studio on the next break and said, that's it. You're primetime Adam Shot." So to this day, you know, whether it's Mike Waters from the Syracuse Post Standard or anyone who lived in Syracuse, I am still referred to as primetime. But once I left Syracuse, it just it, it, it didn't it didn't stick. I didn't go with it. Maybe, maybe I should have. There was a marketing opportunity somewhere. Well, most people listening don't know and maybe don't even care. But just to give people listening some background. So the student station at, at Syracuse WAR most of us that work there go into play-by-play, -play. going back to Marty Glickman, Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Sean McDonough, Mike Tarigo, Ian Eagle, the list goes on and on. You were a pioneer because, and you hit at the right time where you went the talk show route, and it's about the time that not only were talk shows getting big on the radio, like WFA in New York, and then all of a sudden they were exploding all over the country, but ESPN, Fox, they started creating shows that were more talk show oriented. And that's about the time you were on the rise. And I'm just curious, like, was that kind of how you envisioned it going into the realm of, of talking about sports and interviewing guests, but mostly opinion-based programming. I, I was, I was obsessed. I, I've had this conversation with people before, you know, I'm, I'm 44 and WFAN started in 1987. So I was 10. So I was the first, I was the child of sports talk radio. You know, a lot, so many people grew up and you listen to games on the radio or you watch them on TV and, you know, you, you want to be, and I'll talk, you know, from a New York perspective, you want to be the next Marv Albert, right? Like that's, so many people grew up and that, that was, I want to be Marv Albert. I want to be Mike and the Mando. I wanted to host on, on WFAN. That's, that's all I wanted to do growing up. But the timing was interesting. And look, Dave, I mean, you know the the history and you rattled it off brilliantly. I mean, when I told people I didn't want to do play by play, they thought I was crazy. They're like, "That's that's career suicide. Why why would you do that? Why well, you're at Syracuse? Look at the history." I said, "Trust me, this is what I want to do. This is where my skill set is, and this is where it's going." And you know, it's funny. I Fox Sports Radio wasn't even a thing 
when I got to Syracuse. Like it launched right around when I graduated. I think the year I graduated, Fox Sports Radio launched. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that it exploded. You know, it's no different than an NFL defense. It's a copycat league. And, you know, people want to hear instant reaction and nonstop conversation and, you know, local level, national level. And, you know, I think people groove on that and, and they love reaction and, you know, buzz and great interviews. And I, I've always just been obsessed with, with sports radio and, you know, I love taking calls and I love listening and it's, you're right though. The timing was, was perfect. And, you know, also for me starting in Syracuse and doing a show in Syracuse and learning how to do a show, you know, at WHN, I did a post-game show for Syracuse football and basketball. And there was a great immediacy and learning how to do that. So that, that was really huge for me in terms of my development and, and my path and, you know, going from, from Syracuse in college and WAR to, you know, professional stations and then going with the rest of my career. A couple more football questions, Adam, and then we'll get you out of here. Seattle Cardinals just beat them. It felt to me going into the game like that was more than just a big game for this season. It felt like, will Pete Carroll retire if things don't go well this year? Russell Wilson wanted out when they were winning 11, 12 games a year. What's going to happen when they win five or six? How do you feel about where the Seahawks are? Do you think the Seahawks are done in terms of the Seahawks that we've known the last decade or so? Absolutely done. And I agree with your assessment. And, you know, Dave, it's kind of crazy to me that the Seahawks won the division last year. Like that, that doesn't even translate to me in terms of talent. And I actually thought, and it's easy for me to say with a microphone, but, but I was right. I would have broken it down if I was running the Seahawks this past offseason. Because I felt like last year, even making the playoffs, winning the division, a fluke. And you look at the rosters, uh, the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Rams, Seattle doesn't compare. And, you know, I don't want to call what the Seahawks did a dynasty, but it was kind of a mini dynasty. You know, Seattle with Pete Carroll and John Schneider and Russell Wilson, that was a machine. And, and they deserve a ton of credit for what they did. Now, I, I think it's over. I think it's been over. I think, you know, the snapshot, frankly, was the week before when DK Metcalf is, is going ballistic in, in Green Bay and, you know, the team gets shut out. But I, I think I jumped it a week. I mean, the snapshot was Colt McCoy going into Seattle and, and beating the Seahawks in front of the 12th man. Like, I, that was noteworthy. And then Pete walking out of his press conference, I, it felt like a bit of a changing of the guard. And I, I mean, I said preseason the Seahawks were going to finish in last place. Like you can imagine the reaction I got from, from Seahawks fans. But, you know, that, that proved to be ahead of the curve. I, I think that Pete's a Hall of Fame coach, college pros. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. I love John Schneider. I think they've really botched the draft the last few years. I think they should have traded Russ this past offseason, even with the cap hit, because – I mean, it was over. I mean, the whole let Russ cook and Russ doesn't get an MVP vote. And, that, you know, Russ creates all that. And I love Russ, right? But, you know, a lot of it is about him and Pete wants to run the ball. And there, there's been a divide there for a long time. So I, I think it's over in Seattle. 
when, and this is definitely putting you on the spot because it's hard to answer this. I can't answer this right now. But if you had to guess, where do you think when it's all said and done, Kyler Murray finishes in the MVP race? Because we still have obviously six games left. All right, let me first give you a pet peeve. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm sure at some point I'm going to get thrown off of voting because I'm, I, I annoy the hell out of Barry Wilden. It drives me nuts. And Kyler is a great, great name to attach to this. You know we only vote for one person. And it's so dumb. It's, the, it, it's asinine. Wait, hold I, on, hold on. Because I do the NBA voting. So you're one of the N- NFL voters. So, oh, yeah. so we have to pick five guys for MVP, yeah. five different yeah. guys, and list them. You pick yeah. one. There's no runner-up. There's no third. Okay. I'm so glad, and I love that you asked this. I love, and I love that you're in the NFL and don't even know this. No. Because nobody knows this. Because no one wants to advertise it. I go nuts on this because of the whole Russell Wilson MVP stuff. Russell Wilson has never received a vote because he's never been the MVP. If you can vote for three guys a year, of course Russell Wilson would have an MVP vote. One. One name. And it's awful. Because, as an example, if Kyler Murray comes back after the bye and he is on fire and leads the Cardinals to, let's say, the one seed, right? Like, that's the ultimate Kyler Murray MVP scenario. I mean, we have to see what Jonathan Taylor does. You know, there, there's a hot name. Let's see what Tom Brady does. You know, I, I think Kyler, if I'm, if I'm doing a list for MVP and I'm, you know, Justin Herbert, is he going to end up being in the mix? That's why it's impossible for me to answer the question because of the voting process. It's awful. I wish, and I, that Barry's response, Barry Wilner, who's the head of the Associated Press, under his watch, he does not want someone with more second place votes to win the award. And I understand so, that part of it. You know, like, and I do too. Like coach of the year for NBA last year, Monty Williams is who I voted for. Yep. Tom Thibodeau won it, and you could have made a case for Tibbs. Sure. But I think Tibbs had so many more of, like, the second and third place. I think that was one of the reasons why he won it. So sorry to cut you off there, but I could see why he would want it that way because you don't want somebody not deserving. I've even countered Dave with this idea. I mean, I'm pretty passionate about this. Make it like a 10-4-1 weighted system. So not even 10-5-1. Where if you get a second place vote, you get four points. First place vote, you get 10. Third place, you get one. So there's still more weight and more emphasis on getting that first place vote. So, you know, right now, I mean, if I, you can't, you can't name an, you don't get half a trophy, right? So like it's, it's, if it sounds like I'm going in circles or frustrated and even answering your, your question, it's because, you know, midway point of the season. I would have said it's Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady. Those are my top two. Not my projection, but the midseason MVP. I think Kyler has a good – there's no clear-cut favorite at the quarterback position for MVP. I think if Jonathan Taylor runs the Colts into the playoffs, I think he has a realistic chance. But if Kyler lights the league on fire and the Cardinals get the one seed – my goodness, it's going to be difficult. And one thing I, you know, I don't want to hear anti-Kyler. Well, hold on. 
Colt McCoy won those games. Because that's going to be when you start nitpicking for one vote. Well, how could you vote Kyler because Colt McCoy won? Well, I would argue that A, credit Colt, and B, credit Cliff Kingsbury. Because I'm telling you, they're going to be voters. There are going to be people that are going to say you can't vote for Kyler because Colt McCoy won those games. That, to me, is garbage and nonsense. All right, last one. Do you have a most memorable on-air moment or a strain? It can be because people ask me, hey, what's your, you know, the, the moment that sticks with you? And, you know, people assume that maybe it's something with Bill Walton or Ron Wolfley or, you know, I've worked with Hall of Fame coaches, players, but the one that always sticks with me is when I got punched in the face on air when I was working in Detroit as an update guy, though. I got into it with the host. It was a sports argument. And while I'm doing the update, he punched me dead in the face. Now I got up at him and finished the update. So that, that's something right there. I didn't, I, I, I didn't stop. I got up and finished the update. What I, was the argument? What was this? What was the I, argument? Do you remember? I don't even remember. I mean, it was just a typical, you know, discussion on the air, but he didn't like it. And he, he, he took it off the air, I guess, and decided to try to settle it while I was on the air by punching me dead in the face. But do you have, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, try to come up with something like that. That's, that's crazy. But is there anything that sticks with you when people ask you like greatest interview or greatest moment that you've had or strangest? Well, I'll give you a couple just quickly on, on greatest, just in terms of like in moment feel. Um, my first Super Bowl for CBS, we did a Monday QB show. It was in New Orleans, the New Orleans Super Bowl. And, you know, we we're right across from Cafe Du Monde doing a show, a Monday QB show. And I'm sitting there with Dan Marino and Phil Sims and Rich Gannon and Steve Berline. And it was my first time I did a show for CBS on remote. And like the crowd was going nuts. And it was one of those like, wow. Like it was just ridiculously cool, like in moment. In terms of radio and, you know, I, there are so many amazing interviews and moments and Super Bowl shows, Radio Row. There's nothing like the day after a champion is crowned. There's nothing like interacting with a fan base, especially when, when it's a team that hasn't won. Like, I'll never forget the day after the Cubs won the World Series or when the Cavaliers won a championship. Like, those are like the most, like grown men and women crying on the air, you know, wall-to-wall conversation, just getting the chills and, you know, talking about loved ones who aren't around anymore, who would have loved, like, you know, th those are some of the most special, special shows. Of course, now that I'm saying this, there was one moment when the Red Sox won a World Series and I'm a diehard Yankee fan. And, you know, every time the Yankees win a game, even the regular season, we always play, you know, New, New York, New York, have a little fun with it, come out of a break. And a Red Sox fan is a regular caller and a real pain in the ass who I love. And he made me sing Sweet Caroline. And it, 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 was, it was great radio. And I was like, God, never again. But that, th those, those shows after a championship are, there's just a, there's a there's a cadence to it. There's a beat. There's a fun quotient. There's the 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 emotion. Uh, it's why you love sports. I I, I love those shows. 
Do you pinch yourself sometimes? Because I, I certainly do. Like I never take for granted when I'm sitting never. next to a player or a coach that is in the hall of fame or will be in the hall of fame. I think, you know, it's easy to just kind of, I think if you're somebody on the outside looking, just assume that, you know, we're not geeking out too, you know, sitting there. So you're talking about sitting next to Dan Marino and some of these guys, I'm sure for you, it's similar to me in that you appreciate the opportunity to, because you'll learn so much from just interacting with these guys that have seen it and done it at the highest level. A hundred percent. I never take that for granted. It's, you know, I, I, I love it. And, you know, in terms of learning, that's, you know, whether it's on air, off air, I, I love that. I'm, I'm such a geek for that, you know, in terms of, you know, listening to Phil Sims talk about quarterbacks and, you know, what he likes and what he doesn't like and what he's looking for. And I'm, it's, it's in, it's a daily appreciation and frankly, an education. And I never take that for granted, you know, working with, with people, you know, I grew up, as I said earlier, as a diehard Giants fan. I mean, you know, Phil Sims was my guy growing up and now, you know, we have this great friendship and, you know, he's, he's on the radio show every week and we work together at CBS. And I, I'm glad you asked that. I never, ever, ever take that for granted. I, I think it's, it's ridiculously special and cool. And, and I appreciate all those moments with all these great analysts. Cause you're right. You, you learn so much and, you know, and, and then to have a rapport with them and hopefully ask provoking questions to maximize them. I mean, it's, it's a great thrill, a rush, the preparation, you know, you always have to be ready for that. You want to live up to it. It's, I love it. I never take that for granted. Adam, listen, man, I'm so happy for your success. You're great at what you do. You're so entertaining. And I, I know Cardinal fans will be excited to, uh, to have listened to this and we'll look forward to following you and all the, all the things you do and all the platforms you're on brother. Appreciate the time. Oh, Dave, likewise, man, I'm thrilled for your success. I, I love hearing you on the Cardinals games and, and on ESPN and all the great, great games you've called and all the different sports. I mean, the NBA, I love your NBA call. I mean, you're the football is incredible. And, but watching the NBA when you're on a big NBA game, it's, it's the best. So I'm, I'm thrilled for you, and I'm honored to be on the podcast, my friend. Thanks, brother. See you, Dave. So much great stuff there from Adam Shine. We could have talked for another hour because there were so many subjects about the NFL that we didn't get to. But I loved hearing Adam's opinion on the Cardinals. He's long been a Cardinal supporter, big fan of Michael Bidwill and Steve Keim. He was very honest Says Kyler Murray could be MVP if he continues to play this way, but because there's only one vote that's tallied per person, that he's not sure that Kyler will win it because of some of the games that Colt McCoy started and won. Plus, we have to see if Kyler's back for the Chicago Bears game. Great stuff on the rest of the NFC, on the Seattle Seahawks, the Rams, and potential contenders outside the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter at PashPod. Next week, we'll talk with Arizona Cardinals quarterback Colt McCoy. Can't wait for you to hear that. Thanks for listening to Adam Shine on today's Dave Pash Podcast.